Welcome to A Court of Swish and Flick, A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast. the stars and wish we welcome you to the 23rd episode of a court of swish and flick this episode is sponsored by danny wilcox thank you thanks Thanks, Danny. danny i'm tiffany i'm megan i'm katie and I'm Sarah, and today we're going to be discussing chapter 22 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. You know what would have been nice? Because the next chapter is really short. I just should have smushed them together with the next one, and then we would be a little further off on our count. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, you know. Live and let live. We're just going to struggle through phrases. the entire book. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's not. I mean, <laughs> we had this problem on Swish and Flick, too, I remember. Being yes. rather annoyed. Let's Very confused. So. Let's give snaps to Sarah for just powering right through that intro. I know how much she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends because if you like us, then they may too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Court of Swish and Flick and Twitter at ACOSAF. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash a court of swish and flick. Supporting our podcast keeps us going and it gives you access to our exclusive Facebook group, our Discord channel, as well as live recordings once a month. And we also have close friends on Instagram for our high fay patrons. And our episodes also come out early for patrons posted the weekend before. Thank you all so much for your support. If you have any questions, concerns, or just you want to share anything with us, you can do so to our email, which is a court of swish and flick at gmail.com. And then before uh, we really get into it and like, you know, I read the last line, whatever I wanted to talk about some like newsish things, I guess from this world specifically like Sarah J. Mass's world, like um, throne of glass is 10 years old, like the first book. So they're redoing all of the covers um, for both paperback and hardcover. And they're pretty cool. Yeah. They're fine. I mean, I don't love the um, paperback ones that I have because it's like the girl with the like, white blonde hair and like no one in that series has white. Well, like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just as I'm like, I, I never got the understood why the main character, she doesn't have gold. Like she doesn't have blonde hair like that, whatever, or white hair. Any hoosies, doesn't matter. <laughs> so the new covers of that are coming out. Um, Silver Flames is coming out on paperback September 6th, I believe. Are Do you I have excited to break that yes. spine? <laughs> um, well, I have two of them coming because I pre-ordered it. And then they were like, oh, by the way, they're going to do a special edition of the paperback for Barnes & Noble. And like back when it first came out, they did a special edition where it had the bonus chapter of Reese and Feyre, and mm-hmm. it's going to be reprinted. Um, so the paperback copy is going to have that extra or the bonus chapter of Reese and Feyre. So I'm getting both of them. <laughs> but that Obviously. comes out September 6th. Um, and then Sarah J. Mass is doing a virtual um, like chat with someone, with a different Sarah, Sarah McLean, or McLean, um, and that's going to be September 8th. 
And it's $15 to buy like a ticket. And I'm, I'm assuming since it's a virtual event, um, that like currently right now you can still buy tickets for it. Um, and I'm assuming because it's a virtual event, like they aren't going to like, uh, like run out of tickets. I know the last one she did after the second Christmas city two came out, you also got a book with it. Well, until supplies lasted, but this one is just a ticket. There's no book. Um, so are you I'm gonna, hoping are you gonna do it because it's oh, a yeah, Thursday a I see yes and I will not be in my own state so hopefully <laughs> I also don't think I'll be in the country <laughs> so hopefully I'll be somewhere with wi-fi to watch it um when is it again it's on Thursday September 8th so oh, I will okay. be in Vancouver Canada that's in Canada I should say <laughs> um <laughs> I'm hoping that we're going to get some news because it's like a court of silver flames. Um, I want some Akatar news. Like I yeah. would love to find out like who the next book's about. I hope it's Azrael. To me, it makes more sense for it to be Azrael because like it, whatever, it doesn't matter. We've already My, discussed that. Here's a question. Cause I don't know the answer to this um, because I was late to the, to the party with Akatar. Before Silver Flames came out, did she say who the book was about? Like who's who's leading the book? Uh, like when she was like announcing that this was a like book for yeah, I think she said yeah. it was Nesta's story. Okay, so maybe it, when whenever she Tim, decides to announce, I don't think you were um, on the episodes when I was talking about it. But the reason I think it would make sense for an Azrael book is because. Both her or both Azrael and Elaine, because everyone like they're they're connected, have they're they're connected. So it's going to be t- one of their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for Azrael, is he he's either, in my opinion, going to be with Elaine or he's going to be with Gwen. And if it's an Elaine book and she goes with Lucian, then Azrael's going to go with Gwen, and you already know that. Or if she goes with Azrael, then like whatever, nobody cares about the other two. Not that nobody cares, but. They're not so relevant. They're going to get their own story. So it would make more sense in my head, personally, that mm. Azrael's book is next. Because if he gets with Elaine, cool, whatever. Same story of, like, the next book will be about whoever else. But if he gets with Gwen, then Elaine can have her own story. And with Elaine, does she end up with Lucian? Does she end up with someone else? Does she end up going totally evil? You know what I mean? So I think it gives more um, possibilities mm to have more books. I don't know if that makes any sense, but in my head, it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, live event. It's like a Q and a, I think there's like somewhere that you can submit questions. And then there's also gonna be like pre recorded questions. So who's to say what's going to happen. She doesn't talk to me. I could be the third Sarah in that group, but they didn't want me on there. So, any hoosies, the last, the last line is, he growled once, low and frustrated and vicious, before prowling away. This is post-bite. This is post-bite. And I have to say, so I've been slowly making my way through Mist and Fury again. And so to be reading, like, actively reading Mist and Fury, and then to come back to court hi i'm back i i had a baby and now i'm back <laughs> first of all we never even said anything about it so maybe i should just be like hey i have returned but like to come back and talk about thorns and roses and i'm like all of this feels very wrong <laughs> it's so weird because like in my mind 
we're we're made it up, but not with you, Tim Tamlin. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, all right. So Farah tosses and turns all night, and when she wakes up, the servants are still sleeping in after their night of celebrating. And so she she draws herself a bath, not with a pen. And not with a wand, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> and she takes her time, which I feel like she needed that because the events of the previous night were a little much. There's a lot I need that, that happened. Sometimes. What? A long bath? Yeah, I love a good long bath. I mean, I she got chomped, so you know, she got chomped. Got she also pressed. met some people, had a very scary situation that could have happened. Anywho. Met the love so, of her life. Right. <laughs> and she's trying to forget the feeling of Tamlin's lips on her neck, but she can't. And to top that all off, she has a very large bruise where he has taken a chomp, as Katie said. And so as she's getting ready, she's like looking in the mirror. She's like, I need to find something to cover this up. And then she's like, wait a minute. I like this part because sometimes in this book, she's a little bit, uh, she's not like who she's meant to be yet, literally. And I like to see her get her gritty and hard nature. And I'm not going to put up with your bullshit, essentially. And she's like, no, he did this. And if he's going to act like a brute, then he can see exactly the result of that. So she's like braiding her hair and she like tosses it aside and lets the bruise show so she leaves she goes down to the dining room and she's humming and swinging her arms real casual busts through the doors and there are the two guys Lucian and Tamlin draped over some chairs nursing the previous night (laughs) and Lucian must have partied hard because Feyre thinks that he looks like he's sleeping with a fork in his hand pretty much (laughs) my question because I, I it's it's been so long for me. Do a bunch of people uh, bang at that event? <laughs> it all helps to bring magic to the That's land, right. Tiffany. That's right. It's one big orgy. Orgy. <laughs> so everybody was banging. Okay. Well, I mean, I think most people would be. Most I don't know if Lucian banging. did, if that's what you're asking. He certainly did the next year. He just seems pretty tired, so I was thinking maybe he had... I think they were also up all night. And this is midday, too. You know what I mean? Like, party went all night. Yeah. They're not 21 anymore, Tiffany. They're old. I hate you. (laughs) They are old. So she greets them all cheerfully. She takes her seat across from Lucian, not Tamlin. Ooh. And everybody's silent, and she eats, and she drinks, and Lucian finally says, quote, you look refreshed. And Lucian observes a glance with Tamlin, and she goes on to say, I shrugged. Sleep well? And then this next part brings me a lot of joy. She says, like a babe, I smiled at him and took another bite of food and felt Lucian's eye travel inexorably to my neck. What is that bruise? Lucian demanded. I pointed with my fork to Tamlin. Ask him. He did it. <laughs> and like Lucian, like it's it's almost like it goes from a uh, OMG panic quickly to that's funny. Like it, it transitions really fast because 
he doesn't let it show, but he's not amused. So he inquires some more and very nonchalantly, Tamlin um, is like, I bitter. And then he continues on to say that after the right, Pharaoh's in the hallway and apparently she has a death wish because she doesn't listen to stay in the, her room. And if he would have only known. But she was drawn out to meet her mate. So you can suck on that, Tamlin. <laughs> <laughs> For and show. Farrah thinks to herself, she's like, oh, he's mad. But he's actually keeping his anger on a tight leash for once. She literally thinks that. So we know she's very well aware that he's not got it all put together. And here's another quote. So if favor can't be bothered to listen to orders, then I can't be held accountable for the consequences. (laughs) F yourself. Nobody cares about this. Like that to me is crazy. Because that could have been a lot worse. Yeah, he's just better. He's he's just Tamlin. I hope he gets a redeeming arc because I really don't care for him. I I really need a redeeming arc for him too. Like I like I know that he did some stuff to make him look better, but I need more. I need to go to therapy. Well, mm -hmm. long and the short of it. Yes, and I feel like he might get that redeeming arc. Whether it ends with him like doing like a last ditch effort and then like dying, or you know actually getting maybe like a, a, a mate from the store. There are people out there that think Elaine and him are mates. <clears throat> I yeah. You know what? I Great. I don't care for either that. of them, so they can go be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if Katie doesn't like you, that's saying a lot about you. Truly. So sorry, Elaine. <laughs> I feel like we I'm, I mean obviously because we know the least about her really I think that's mm-hmm. a huge part of why I she's not my favorite yeah um, I still don't think I'm gonna like love her afterwards mm-hmm. yeah. but you don't know I think that I I, I wow said her much um, I think that once I like get her book and get her POV I'm gonna mm-hmm. maybe like her more I, Nesta will always be my diehard favorite person anyways but um I think a lot of people never expected to like Nesta after Silver Flames either, though. So, like, who knows what what will happen when we learn more about Elaine? Yeah, I enjoy her a lot. Nesta being Elaine, jury's out on that because I don't know her very well, and she seems like we just need more blah to me right now. But I think that's going to be part of her story, though, is that like people always underestimate her, and then you forget the that she stabbed the King of Hybern in the neck. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was a good move on her part. And you know what? <laughs> that was a good go, move. <laughs> Maybe but like, it's also great. super confusing for me. Like, every time they're like, Ness is the one that killed him. I'm like, yeah, but Elaine stabbed him. Like, and when I first read that as like, uh, Nesta being like, well, I like everyone's calling her like, they weren't calling her Kingslayer, I don't think. But they were calling her like, whatever, how she killed the King of Highburn. Mm. And I'm like, but I, first time I read that, I had to go back to be like, but didn't Elaine stab him? Like, how come no one's talking about that? Like, she started it. Like, she stabbed him, and yeah, you cut his head off, but she stabbed yeah. him. That's pretty rough. That is pretty rough. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Where was I? Oh, Farrah's pissed, and she's like, he cornered me, and... 
you can't really tell that Lucian's like if he's laughing behind his hands. He like puts his elbow on the table and then he like covers his mouth. And Tamlin goes on to say that they both told her to stay in her room. She didn't listen. So you got what you got. And then Farrah's temper flares and she yells at him, fairy pig. And Lucian laughs so hard that he almost tips out of his chair. And Tamlin has like a vague little smile on his face. Can I just say that this very victim blaming and I hate that. So, yeah, it's I think. It's surface level supposed to make the reader, um, at least this is how I take it. It's supposed to make the reader be like, oh, they're joking around. Haha, funny. But when you really like dig deeper on that, that's really fucked up. So, yes. (laughs) And so, Feyre goes and paints to let off some steam. And what she paints are little portraits of Tamlin and Lucian with pig features, which I love the image of that. Um, And I need somebody to paint those and send them our way. (laughs) But do it in MS paint, so it's like the bad (laughs) favorite painter. (laughs) I want to see, like, you know those, like, uh, what are they called? Like, Elizabethan, like, collars, like, formal portraits. Like, I want to see that. Like, (laughs) I think that would be fantastic. (laughs) And she thinks about her last painting that she does, and she wants to call it Two Fairy Pigs Wallowing in Their Own Filth. And here's the thing. We're following Feyre's point of view. And like I said, I feel like um, us as the reader is supposed to like, ha ha, funny, laugh this off. And it's because Feyre's ha ha, funny, laughing this off. But really, their relationship is toxic, to say the least. I feel like you truly don't really get that until you reread it. Reread it. And then at the beginning of Mist and Fury... Right, like you do, like you feel what the author wants you to feel and what Feyre is feeling the first time you're reading this. But then, mm. yeah, like once you read Mist and Fury and then you go back and read this, it's just kind of like a yikes type story. Yeah, because she even says that she's she's happy there, here because yeah. she feels like the smiling and joking Tamlin has returned. But look what she had before this, you know, like... I think that that's a lot of it. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with what Megan just said. I think part of it, because I, I kind of love the theory that he never really loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he loved the idea of her more, especially yeah. when she was like a helpless human. Yeah. And that she really doesn't know. She's probably never seen like a true loving relationship because her mother yeah. was a piece of shit. Um and I think that that caused a lot of trauma with her and her sisters and her father and um, all of those things. So, like, she's finally seeing someone that's tr- treating her what she thinks is, like, nice and doing these things and, like, laughing and joking. And, you know, she never had all these luxuries. Well, she did when she was a kid, kind of, but, like, in a different she, way, you know? Yeah, she doesn't really remember a whole lot yeah. of that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think too that like like that fact is driven home even more when she does become Faye, and he just wants to continue to treat her like a fragile human. It like it just makes it even more like oh yeah, he was just in love with the idea of her as this fragile human that he could take care of. Well, yes, it also shows his controlling nature, and if we think about this in real time life. It it it's 
abusive in a way. Oh, 100%. And even this next part makes me want to gag because they apologize to each other (laughs) at dinner. Mm -hmm. Mm, Not Mm -hmm. necessary on your part, Farah. And he even brought her some flowers from his parents' garden. So there's giving bullshit gift and being. Can we talk about the flowers for a second? They're white roses. So they're white roses. And I Mm -hmm. looked up the meaning of white roses. And when given in a romantic relationship, I guess I think is what it said, but it re- represents loyalty, purity, and innocence, which in, I think in his mind is how he views her, yeah. which she is very loyal, not to you yeah. anymore. Cause you fucked that over, but like <laughs> innocent and pure, I wouldn't really, and not saying those are a bad thing at all, but like, but she is not an innocent that? person. You know what yeah, I mean? Right, like right. in the sense of she's gone through a lot. Yeah. She's seen a lot. And especially yeah, not okay if you're going to treat someone who isn't like that as that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like love someone for who they are, yes. not who you want them to be. Mm. Don't have this idea of them. I'm getting Taylor Swift vibes. I just hate that he like hurts her and gives her a present and everything's fine. That is yep. a classic sign of the abuse cycle. Cause you I'm have mm-hmm. like the tension building and then the ex explosive episode and then you have like the honeymoon period where like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry here are all these gifts I'll never do it again and then it just repeats and at the beginning of Mist and Fury when she figures out one of her powers with the air in the shield and then he like begs her to put it down begs her to put it down and then finally she does and they like embrace I believe after that I hate that yeah And think about, think about the fact that she didn't even, uh, when she puts that shield together, she doesn't even like, she doesn't not thinking, you know what I mean? It's the point where she's like so afraid of him and like all of these things. And like, she was pushed into that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was her instincts reacting. I hate him. Mm. You better get something that pulls you back because... You're a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, what did you mean by Taylor Swift vibes? I'm just getting like the, um, like all too well, 10 minute version Mm -hmm. lyrics in my head. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, specifically that one. (laughs) So good. Great song. Okay. So yes, she gets some white roses. Thanks. Um, (laughs) She makes sure that Alice takes very good care of them, and Alice promises to put them in her painting room. Oh, that's cute. And then, for the first time in a long time, Feyre slept peacefully. Good for you. This is a little bit of a sidebar, but speaking of sleeping peacefully in books, you know what I love? There's a Mm. trope where, like, one person, or maybe both characters, like, are horrible sleepers, and then they, like, sleep and not doing anything, but they're like in bed with like the other person. And they're like, it was the best night. I've never slept like that before. I love that trope. <laughs> like they just feel That's so cute. comfortable and like so safe oh. that they just are able to have like a full night's sleep for the first time since they can even remember. I'm like, I like that. That makes me them. smile. Like that. comfort. Cute. Uh, I'm all okay. So the next morning, Alice is helping Feyre get ready. And she says, I don't know if I should be pleased or worried. 
Um, because Feyre is letting her dress her in a, a gown, which this has not happened yet. So Feyre put on a gold underdress and then a gossamer turquoise gown that you could like see the gold through. Gossamer is like something very light, thin, or delicate. <gasps> I, I looked that up. It consists of cobwebs? Well, it says that's, that's like one. Yeah, it says a fine film. <laughs> I wasn't going to read that part of it, but yeah. Don't put um, that on my body. <laughs> sorry. A fine filmy substance consisting of cobwebs spun by small spiders oh. or used to refer to something very light, thin, and ins- insubstantial or delicate, which I'm assuming the second half of that definition is what what she means. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um <laughs> Alice also did her hair and Feyre thinks that she like she's thinking in her head that she doesn't have the courage to look at herself in the mirror, which like makes me feel a little sad for her um, because she does look beautiful. And I think that she realizes that like after the fact, but she just like doesn't feel courageous enough to like confirm it to herself, if that makes sense. Um Alice asks if she's going to be wearing gowns from now on, and Feyre very quickly says no. She's still going to be wearing her usual clothes during the day. Isn't that a lie, though? I feel like she wears gowns, like, or dresses, like, every day from this on. I could be lying, but... Or maybe it's just not really sad. Maybe just not whenever she's, like, going to be out and about, but, like, when she's... But, like, how often is she out and about, realistically? Mm -hmm. Does he let her out? That's the real question. Nope. I do feel like she wears them a lot more often going forward, though. Yes. Um, well, at least maybe... in the spring court, not so much when she's at home. With yeah. Her mate. Um, I wonder if we think that she wears them more often, though, because like most of the conversations and stuff that we see with her is later in the day. So maybe that's like why. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I guess we'll find out as we keep going. <laughs> um, so Alice asks if she's. Oh, wait, I already read that line. Sorry. Um, Feyre asks Alice how she learned to do her hair like this, and Alice tells her that her mom taught her and her sister, and then her mother taught her before that. And, like, this is kind of the beginning of a little tiny bit of background on Alice. Um, So Feyre asks if she's always been in the spring court, and Alice says no, she's originally from the summer court. Yes. Do you think she knows about the building that Cassian destroyed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably wanted posters of his face everywhere. Um and then Farah asks, like, well, why are you here? Like, why are you at the Spring Court? And Alice is like, Well, I just made a choice to come here because her sister and mate had been killed and by coming here, she thought that she could, like, give a life to her boys. It's her nephews. Yes. I also wonder, when I was rereading this and thinking about her actions later on, because she helps Feyre, right? Like, she knows that she's leaving, like, um, she helps her escape with more in the next book. And then in the third book, she, like, knows that she has this whole thing packed and she's just like, leave, like, don't come back kind of a thing. Um, and I wonder if her coming here was like, I know, I don't think she wanted to leave the spring court, but I wonder if her only option was to go to, or she didn't want to leave the summer court. And I wonder if her only option was to go to the spring court instead of like her first option might've been like wherever else. Hmm. 
That was what yeah. my thinking. That's the vibe I got. Is that she's a hundred percent there for necessity and like for the boys more so than her actually wanting to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I agree. Um, so once fair is ready, she is incredibly nervous as she goes down to dinner because this is the first time she's like wearing a gown and like she knows in her head that they're going to, I mean, they're going to recognize recognize or like call out the fact that she's doing this. And I think that she, like she wants to do it for herself and for Tamlin, but doesn't want like attention brought upon it. Um, so she keeps her hands clenched at her side so she doesn't wipe her sweaty hands on her gown. And she thinks about bolting before she goes into the dining room. But then she starts like thinking in her head that she knows that they've already heard her or smelled her or quote whatever else they do <laughs> is what it says in the book. Um, so she just like heads on in. And when she enters, Lucian and Tamlin both stop their conversation and are wide-eyed. Basically, exactly what she didn't want them to do. <laughs> and uh, before Feyre can call him out on his lie, Lucian says, I'm late for something incredibly important, and leaves her with Tamlin alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could just, like, feel Tamlin's undivided attention on her, and she didn't really want to talk, but she did. She, like, forced herself to, and she says, you're so far away because he's sitting on like the opposite side of the table. And then she tasted that like metallic in the air for magic and parts of the table vanish and it leaves them with a much smaller, more intimate table. And he asks if that's better show off. And then she asks where, like, where did the parts of the table go? Like, how did you do that? And Tamlin says to think of it as a between like a broom closet tucked between pockets of the world. Which, like, that kind of reminds me a little bit in Harry Potter. Like, whenever they're, like, conjuring things or vanishing things, that's kind of, like, how we're told to think of that, too. So it's, it yeah. was, like, cool to see that similarity in the magic. It makes me think of The Good Place, too, with Janet. Yeah, Like, her void. Yeah, the void. <laughs> Have either of you guys watched The Good Place? I've watched some of it, but I haven't, like, I don't even, I don't know it's what you're talking about. So not enough. Hilarious. So good. <laughs> I love Kristen Bell. Um... She's really good in it. Um, so, yeah, it's like this void, like, in-between type world that just, like, makes me think of kind of what he's trying to explain. Um, she asks him if it is, like, taxing on him to do that. And he said that it used to be as easy as breathing, but now he has to concentrate to do it because of everything that's going on. The in, blight. Yeah, the blight or a.k.a. Amarantha. Um, so Feyre says that he could have just moved closer to her, but he gets this grin on his face and says that then he wouldn't have been able to show off to a very beautiful girl. Um, and he tells her that she looks beautiful and Feyre thinks that his bruise still mars her neck, but she had looked pretty. You did not have to apologize to him because he bruised your neck, girl. It's not okay. I just can't. I'm sorry if I sound. It like gives a Debbie, me really uncomfy like feelings. Him. Yeah, it yeah. gives me uncomfy feelings. Major. But she thanks him for telling her that she's beautiful, and then doesn't say anything as he serves her and they eat, and she eats a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I will say about the bruise on her neck. Well, yes, he did it unconsentingly, which is fucked up. He, she didn't hate it. 
Yeah, but I know. she didn't. It's true. It's but again, like yeah, said, she did not consent. No consent. I mean, if you want to, those get are things you bruised, should talk about before you do sex. them to someone. Like that's your into be my guest, but get that do permission with enthusiastic consent. Mia not just says, that, but whatever you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Mia says it's giving branding vibes. Mm. Yeah, some people are into that. That's fine. <laughs> but like Truly. you said, he didn't like, ask. Yeah, like, like Truly, you yes. Uh, yeah. You want it. <laughs> Enthusiastic <laughs> consent. Yep. That's what you need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, so Tamlin leans back in his chair after they're done eating, but he doesn't look relaxed. Farrah notes his shoulders look all tight. His mouth's in a thin line. Um, so she's thinking, like, he hadn't been called to the border in a couple days, so, like, he hasn't come back all tired or covered in blood since uh, Cal and Mai. But still, like, there must be a lot on his mind. He had to grieve that summer court fairy that came in tragically with the wings that were cut off. Um, And so she's wondering, like, what other griefs and burdens, like, is he bearing about these other people who are involved in this blight or other attacks on the borders? Um... And she says, hi, Lord, a position he hadn't wanted or expected, yet he'd been forced to bear its weight as best as he could, which is really sad, but he's also just an asshole. Um, so she gets, yes, Tiffany. Okay, I have to be, I have to say a confession. Every time we talk about, I don't even know how to say it properly, but I think of calamine lotion or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't read it properly because that's I know, how I read too. it in my head. <laughs> Go ahead, Katie. Sorry. Oh, I thought you had more to that. Oh, boy. So she gets out of her chair and she tugs his hand and she says, comes with me. I have something for you. And he's like, not hesitant, but he's a little careful. And he's like, something for me. Like, okay. So she leads him to her little painting room and she's nervous. Her heart's thundering. If I was a human around Faye, I would constantly be like, they can tell exactly how I'm feeling. They know I'm nervous or whatever. And I'd be so annoyed by that. Do they know that or? I feel like they'd be able to hear it. read things, I would think. Kind of like how a dog can smell emotions. I don't know if that's true that they can smell them not dogs i'm talking about Faye. <laughs> no well, i, I mean, think they like, can because they're smelling your arousal being uh, like that like you know yeah but like if you can that smell that makes sense to me pheromones but pheromones might not even be like a real thing in humans they there's like not i guess this is a fantasy world so i don't know <laughs> well i know that like real with world. dogs like they can smell the fear on you but then also sense like your heart rate and all that kind of stuff. So like I would assume it has to be like with their heightened senses, like it has to be similar to that. Maybe I don't, I don't know. know. That's how I, I think that they it. would have to be analytical. So I think it depends on who your the Faye is. Like any Joe Schmo off the street, maybe not. But like a trained warrior, sure, that's what they're trained. Part of what they're trained for is to like know their enemy, keep their eye on them. Well, I hope fear. they can't because it makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I don't like it. <laughs> um, okay. So they're going to her painting room and she goes to unlock the door and Tamlin's like, 
I knew you asked Alice for a key, but I didn't think you actually locked this room. And she says, well, everyone snoops in this house and I didn't want you or Lucian coming in here until I was ready. Which good for you, girl. Put up your boundaries. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Even if you had to lock a door to put up boundaries, you know, you couldn't just talk about it. And I don't blame you. So she asks him to light the candles in the room. And she notes that it does take him longer than normal. And she's wondering if like shortening that table really drained him more than he let on. And she's thinking the surreal told her that high lords literally were like they are power. So there had to be something truly wrong if that's really all he could manage. And it took out that much energy from him. You're not wrong. There is something tragically yeah. wrong. We'll get there later. Um, so she steps into the room and she's like hoping he only notices the paintings that she like specifically set out that she is comfortable with him seeing. Um, and she says, like, I know these paintings are strange. I know they're not as good as the ones that you have in your gallery. But I wanted you, wanted you to see this one in particular. And then she tells him that it's for him. It's a gift for everything he's done. Blah, gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, her hands are sweating. She's nervous. And I totally relate to this. Hmm. And I, I thought the same thing, Sarah. I her knees weak and Um. I get nervous when I show, like, something I've created to people. It's gotten better, like, the more I do it. But there's always, like, that... Because art is... What's the word? Subjective. Mm -hmm. So, like, someone could love it and someone could hate it. And it's like, you created this and it's your baby and you have to, like, guard yourself a little bit. Yeah. get nervous every Sunday when a podcast drops? No, I'm over that now. (laughs) Now now she's over. Um, so she explains what this particular piece of art is. She says it's the Glen with the pool of starlight, but Tamlin, he already knows this. He says, I know, I know what this is. She starts regretting bringing him here because he moves on to the next painting. And it's not a painting that she intended for him to really look at. Um, and it's described as a hazy landscape of snow and skeletal trees and nothing else. And she's thinking like to anyone but me, it probably looks like nothing But before she even has a chance to explain, Tamlin does already know what it is. And he says, this is the forest where you hunted. And uh, he goes closer to the painting. It's described as bleak, empty, cold, white and gray and brown and black. And he clarifies and goes, this was your life. It's crazy that Tamlin can be like this insightful, but also be such a piece of trash. You know, you know all these things about her and yet you locked her in a room. Yeah. He likes taking care of her. She so wants her much. to be this scared little. Yes, yeah. so much to the point where he will like suffocate her with caring. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. It's like he wants her to have to need him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so Farrah's too mortified and stunned to even reply to that. And Tamlin goes on to the next painting. This one's dark and dense brown. Uh, flecks of ruby and red and orange. And he's like, that's your cottage at night. And she literally can't. She can't even breathe probably right now. She tries to tell him to stop looking at them. Look only at the ones that I put out. But she she can't. So the next painting is this tanned, sturdy male hand all fisted in the hay. The pale pieces of it entwined among strands of brown coated with gold. And she describes that as her hair. 
and Tamlin says, this is the man you used to see in your village. And then a low, low growl slips out when he says, wow, you made love. And he does know that this is the only painting with any brightness. And Feyre does explain like, well, that's the only escape I had. So if there was going to be any sort of bright spot, I guess that would be it. And she's like, is this jealousy? But good for her. She's like, I'm not going to apologize for Isaac. Because first of all, Tamlin, you just had your great right bullshit. And I don't hold that against you. And you decided to come and bite my neck. Whatever. <laughs> the way you said it. Um, so Tamlin takes a deep breath because he must realize that he also has no right to be jealous of Isaac. And he moves on to the next painting. And that painting um, has like tall men with bloody fists. They're holding clubs. They're hovering over a figure on the floor where there's like blood leaking from it. And that figure has a broken leg. So Tamlin then realizes that Feyre must have seen what happened to her father. And um, he says basically that to her. And she tells him that someone needed to beg them to stop, which is sad. Mm. That, what? how old was she? Eight or something? Yeah. Um, so Tamlin then gives her a look and continues to look at all the paintings. And um, for Feyre, it feels like all of her wounds like are now out in the open for him to see. And... Um, she's been kind of letting them go in the months that she's been there. And that makes her think of her family and what they might be thinking like of her right now. Like, do they think she's ever going to be home um, from visiting her dying aunt? Cause you no, know, that's the story he gave them in the little mind Jedi trick thing he did with them. <laughs> and Tamlin, then he picks a painting that he wants. And it's not the one um, that Pharaoh wanted him to have, which was the Glen with the pool of starlight. He wants the one um, that's like the snowy woods. And that one, Feyre thinks, is cold and melancholy, and she thinks that it doesn't suit his manner at all. So he goes to the painting and gives Feyre a big, beautiful smile and says, I want it nonetheless. I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into this. Oh, I don't know why I'm reading it like I'm reading for the book. These are my own words. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into the scene, but before Feyre compares the painting to herself, and to me it almost feels like Tamlin is doing a favor, like Tamlin feels like he's doing a favor to Feyre by choosing the painting, and I was also basically saying he's choosing her, um, Mm -hmm. even though she might be melancholy too. I'm like, that's just the vibe that I got from this interaction. I also think that there's a juxtaposition with Tamlin and the spring court, where, like, it's the spring court, you know? Everything is, like, bright and, like, colorful and, like, when when you think of spring, you're used to, if you have, like, a winter like Cleveland does, everything's cold and dark and dreary and snowy. And now when spring is coming, you're getting warmer weather. The colors are coming back. The flowers are blooming and all of these things. Um, and Tamlin's really not that. <laughs> Tamlin's really kind of cold and melancholy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I also think there's a big juxtaposition between, like, the real Reese, not the one he shows people, and the night court. Because when you think of the night court... And the aspect of, like, people that don't know. Uh, right. They're like, oh, evil, dark, da, 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 and he's a pretty... At, and especially towards Farah is, like, especially warm and welcoming um, mm-hmm. and, like, not at all like Tamlin. Yeah. Um, and so I said maybe he also sees himself, him being Tamlin, sees himself in that painting. And I said in this moment, there's nothing more that Farah wants, wants than to see Tamlin's face without the mask on. 
um, to see if it matches the face that she's dreamed about. And so this makes her think about the blight. And then she asks him how she can help him to get his power back and the masks off. Um, So he says, a human wishes to help a fairy. Please don't tease, I said. Please just tell me. There's nothing I want you to do, nothing you can do, or anyone. It's my burden to bear. Which is fucking stupid, bro, because you're not the only one in Printhian, okay? Like, this this right. specific 49-year bullshit? Yeah, I guess, like, that's your burden to bear, but again, you, you can't solve it alone, Harry, alright? <laughs> you gotta have your friends with you. But, like, the whole big, like, that's just a part of, like, the bigger story of the bigger war, and, like, yeah, Reese shows you at the end, like, they would not have been able to fight that alone. Um, they just mm-hmm. are not powerful. They're more powerful together. Um, and so, so then she says, you don't have to. And he goes, I do. What I have to face, what I endure, Farah, you would not survive. And I said, technically, that's yeah. true. Because <laughs> she doesn't. She dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I said, so, oh, it goes on to say, like, I'm he- to live here forever in ignorance of the true scope, scope of what's happening. No, don't worry. You'll find out. And if you don't want me to understand what's going on, would you rather I swallowed hard? Rather I found some place else to live where I'm not a distraction. Um, so I want to say, like, what sucks for Tamlin is that he underestimates Feyre. And honestly, for me, this is a huge theme in this entire book series, including in Silver Flames. Ding, ding, ding. If you if we were playing checkers or whatever, you could check that off the box. Checkers. <laughs> I couldn't think of what it was called. Bingo. <laughs> um, because Pharaoh's the reason that Amarantha is dead. And she's a huge reason why they won the war against Tyburn. So, yes, technically she didn't survive the first part. And then when she was made Faye, he wouldn't or couldn't believe that she was strong enough. Tamlin thinks everything falls on him. Or he places the blame <clears throat> on other people, like, depending on the situation. Like, he blames uh, Reese for Feyre leaving instead of taking the responsibility that he was a fucking horrible partner to her. And mm-hmm. she left on her own. And then Reese just happened to be her mate. Um, so it's almost like he doesn't listen to Feyre, thinks that she isn't strong enough to p- despite what she says and despite what she's shown him that she can do before she even becomes Faye. Uh, Tamlin isn't the only one in the series who underestimates her either because Reese and his inner circle do as well. But that's another discussion for another day. I literally was talking about it with Tiffany yesterday. Getting all <laughs> fired up. But yes, people love to underestimate her. And they're dumb. So Feyre isn't pleased with being kept in the dark. And she asks him if she would rather live, if he would rather her live somewhere else where she wouldn't be a distraction. He asks her, um, Basically, I don't know if he asks her, but like more is like saying, like, did Kaylin may teach you nothing? And her response is only that magic makes you into a brute. So you're a Mm -hmm. dick, you know? So he laughs, but like not a like, ha ha, that's so funny. More like, ha ha, I am a horrible person. Um, (laughs) But he responds with saying, no, I don't want you to live somewhere else. I want you here where I can look after you, where I can come home and know you're here painting and safe. And I said, red flags, looking back. Ah. Favorite isn't the type of person to sit back and let others handle things. She has never been. Mm -hmm. She would have hated to sit back, do nothing, but paint. I don't know why I said it in that way, because it sounds weird. Um, But we see this, especially in the next book, besides the fact that she just went through a horribly, hugely traumatic event. 
She literally died and came back an entire different being. She is no longer human. She is completely fae, super strong, all of these other things. Traumatic. Also, homegirl's depressed, which, again, she just went through this horribly traumatic event. Um, And even a mentally healthy Feyre would not be satisfied staying home and painting all the time. Tamlin seems to need someone who he can take care of, and Feyre has always been someone who takes care of herself. Um, Maybe he just needs Elaine. uh, Again, homegirl knifed a guy in the neck, you know? I don't know. We'll see what her story is going to be. She seems the type, because I don't know her that well, but the impression that I get is she's the type that would want to be... Uh, I think a kept woman, I guess. Yeah. I think that she would take care of him in the way that he would want to be taken care of as like, here, I baked you all of these things. And I like made sure that all of these things at home and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, at all, if that's how you want to live your life, I just, for Feyre, that's not for her. Um, and I said like with Reese, she is more of his partner and mm-hmm. everything, not just his wife. Well, yes, she paints, but she does a lot of other things. She literally helps run, run the court with Reese. Like, he's not running it alone. They run it together. They do things together. They're a united front. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about them is that, like, if she says something, he's like, that's your high lady that, like, I'm not going to go against her. They might have a discussion later, but, like, in front of other people, including their inner circle, they're pretty much a united front. Mm-hmm. Not the same with Tamlin. Um, yeah. With Tamlin, he really wanted her to just be, like, the lady of the spring court, right? Um, and not help him run the court. So there's, like, a huge difference in that. So Tamlin tells her that he did think about sending her away and part of him still thinks that he should find somewhere to send her, but he's probably being selfish even when she went against him and the treaty. He didn't want to let her go. And so she asks him why and his response is, um, I'd had, I've had many lovers, he admitted, females of noble birth, warriors, princesses. Rage hit me low and deep in the gut at the thought of them. Rage at their titles, their undoubtedly good looks, at their closeness to him. But they never understood what it was like, what it is like for me to care for my people, my lands, what scars are still there, what the bad days feel like. That wrathful jealousy faded away the, like the morning dew as he smiled at my painting. This reminds me of it, of what I breathed. He lowered the painting, looking right at me, right into me, that I'm not alone. And then it says, I didn't lock my door that night, my bedroom door. So that's that's that. I don't like him. (laughs) It's my final thought. They're just not a good match. And and he needs to get over it. Yeah. Like that's such toxic masculinity that you can't accept that someone doesn't want to be with you. Mm -hmm. End of story, bro. If she says no, no means no. Not like, oh, yeah, keep keep asking me. No, she doesn't want to be with you. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. Don't be sorry. I was thinking about how um, after they get back from being under the mountain and how she's obviously puking her guts up every night and how he's uh, having bad dreams and stuff as well, which, you know, everything was traumatic there. But they, like, never talk to each other about it. And that in itself was very... I don't think he wants to talk about it. Unhealthy. Yes. Yes. And I wonder... not. Obviously, she was meant to be with Reese, but like, how could it have been 
if like they would actually have had like a conversation about it, maybe he wouldn't have been off the freaking deep end. I don't know. I part of me thinks, and I don't know if it's a hundred percent canon. Like I think he knew she was throwing up and didn't do anything about it. Oh, a hundred percent. He did hundred percent, which is fucked up. Right. He never says anything, never gets up. I feel and like that's a huge, sleep. huge reason. Like the two biggest things to me for a relationship or communication and trust. And if you don't have those two things, you don't have anything. And they are horrible communicators with each other. And they also fundamentally believe like he does not think that she can take care of herself and doesn't want her like, and I know this is a book, but like whenever you watch things or like read things and they're like, they have like all this untapped power, but like, we can't do anything like, you know, don't let it show. Blah blah. That's going to end badly. And yo, like it could have ended super bad for everybody besides Highburn. You know what I mean? Like if Pharaoh wasn't allowed to be trained and learn mm-hmm. what she could do and find out that she's powerful and yeah. that's scary for a weak man that a woman is more powerful than him. Mm-hmm. That's weak dick energy and nobody fucking wants that shit. Okay. Preach. She said what she said. Yeah. Not wrong. <laughs> Preach. Uh, I'm going to end on that because that was badass. So you can find your hosts, <laughs> myself and Megger on Instagram at the Petrus family. Tiffany's on Instagram at tipswish underscore flick. And Sarah is on Instagram at O'Malley. And that is with three H's. So thank you all for listening, for your support. We appreciate you so much. Take care. And remember, only you can decide what breaks you. <laughs>